You know my my You know what my favorite thing in the world is? <sighs> Technical difficulties. You know what they do? They keep us humble. <laughs> they make me realize that man, I am not in control of everything. So listen, if you're new with us here at Thrive, one thing we do each month, we have what's called our Connect Gathering. Next Sunday, after our 1030 service, we will have our Connect Gathering over in our cafe. This is where you get to discover how you can be connected with us here at Thrive, whether that's through a group, whether that's through a serve team, or really you're just like, why are you Thrive? Why are you the way you are? Well, you can find out next Sunday at our Connect Gathering, again, after service in our cafe. Now, in the 1800s, there was this uh, Japanese painter, Hokusai, say Hokusai, Hokusai. Now, he lived to be 89 years old. Now, I kind of did some research, and one of my favorite Japanese paintings is called The Great Wave. It was painted by him, and I had no idea. And here's something else I didn't know. When he was in his old age, he made this declaration. He says, everything I painted up to the age of 50 is worthless. It is it, It's terrible. It wasn't until he was around 70 years old that he said, you know what? Now I'm putting out work that is worth something. And then on his deathbed, when he passed away in 1849, he was 89 years old. And he said, if I had just had five more years, I could have been a great painter. He saw progress. He was intentional. He was focused now, today, I am not up here to talk about you to become the next Bob Ross and paint little happy trees and happy clouds and stuff like that. You may be thinking, Keith, I don't even know what the, what, what are you even talking about? Where are we going with this? Well, today, we're going to jump in and look at a passage as we're in our series, The Jesus Diaries, as we're journeying through the Gospels leading up to Easter. And today, we're going to talk about how expectation, excuses, progress, how that all plays a role and the life of someone who follows Christ. So do with me a favor, turn with me to John chapter 5, verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1. And just give you some quick context here. We have Jesus, he's returning to Jerusalem for a Jewish holy day. Uh, we do not know what holy day he is going to Jerusalem for. Uh, one thing we have to keep in mind as we read through the Gospel of John is this was not written in chronological order. Uh, this was John, he was the oldest living apostle, and this is the latest uh, gospel that was written. And the apostle John, he's given this perspective on Jesus that hadn't been given yet. See, his purpose in this gospel is not just to give uh, information and the journey of Jesus in his ministry, but it's also to talk about the seven main signs that point to him being God in the flesh. So let's jump in. We're going to read. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go through verse 9. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda. With five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. Now we're going to pause for a moment. Okay, I'm going to give you some, some quick, fun, biblical background. Some of your translations, if you're reading maybe from your tablet or your physical Bible, you'll notice it goes from verse 3 straight to verse 5. You do not see verse 4 in there. And if you do have a verse 4 in your copy of God's Word, there's probably this little asterisk or star beside it. And you may be thinking, Keith, this is the Bible. Why is verse 4 not in there? Keith, why is there this asterisk beside verse 4? I'm going to tell you why. Because verse 4 was not in the original manuscript that the gospel is. 
When it was written, when John was having people, scribes write out what he was saying, when he was dictating, this was not there. And again, you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's weird, wild, and wacky. Why would they do that? Here's why. Because in, also, when this was originally written, there were no verses and chapters. It was just one giant document. So the verses and chapters that were added later so that we could easily kind of decide kind of where we were in Scripture. Because if I just start reading randomly, like, where is he reading from? Well, that's John chapter 5, verse 1. Now, here's what's happening. The, basically, as time went on, there were people that were like, what in the world? Why were all these uh, paralyzed, blind, and lame people, why were they all hanging out at the Pool of Bethesda? Where there was a tradition that in that, in that culture, in that day and time, that occasionally an angel would come and stir up that pool. I just imagine he had this giant stick. That's just the way it is in my head. I, probably wrong. But he stirs it up, and when the water is stirred up, the first one that gets into the pool of Bethesda would be healed. How wild is that? So that's what's happening. These individuals, they wanted to give context so that as us, especially now, it's kind of, I'm actually glad we have this context. It's explaining why were these people hanging around here? Why did this happen? Why was Jesus wanting to heal this man that we're about to read about? What was the context? This is why. So that's what happened in verse 4. That's why if you're reading and you're like, where's verse 4? It goes straight from 3 to 5. That is why. So let's continue reading. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And we'll read here in a moment, this man is paralyzed. He's been paralyzed for 38 years. And for an unmentioned amount of time, he's been laying, hanging out at the pool of Bethesda, waiting for the water to get stirred so that he can get healed. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Jesus asks the man the most powerful, wildest question. And to me, like with an obvious answer, do you want to be made well? And the man replies, I can't. I don't have anyone to help me into the water. Uh, there's always someone that gets into the water before me. The man had every excuse in the book not to get healed. But that's not what Jesus was asking. Jesus called him out and healed him there on the spot. Again, this man had been laying there for so long waiting. You know, me, he's paralyzed. I might try to like roll in. I might try to like trip somebody with something. I don't know what I would do. But I would be acting desperation if a man walked up and said, hey, do you want to be made well? I'd say, absolutely. This is the big idea. This is what we're going to unpack today. In our lives, in your life, in my life, you can make excuses or you can make progress. You can make excuses or you can make progress. You cannot do both. You cannot do both of them simultaneously at the same time. And I'm going to be honest with you, this can frustrate me. There are individuals they will come to me, they will email me, they will text me, they will Facebook message me, they will call me, they will find me here on a service, and they will tell me all the problems in their lives. And I will give them wisdom. I will say, hey, guess what? This is what you can do. This will help. And as I say this, I hear the sentence, yeah, but. I'm like, oh, why? Why does this upset me? You know why? Because I do this. I am the yeah, but guy. 
Someone would tell me, hey, why don't we try doing this? Yeah, but uh, well, have you ever thought about this? I am the guy that's just shooting down every idea that comes across. We all do this. See, we all have this propensity to complain and make excuses instead of progress. You do it. I do it. Your kids do it. My kid definitely does it. Your spouse does it. Don't look at your spouse right now. Keep your eyes face straight ahead at me. We all do this. We all have the choice today to make excuses or we can make progress. So why? Why are we the way we are? See, Jesus called the man to make progress. He responded with excuse. I can't. There's no one here to help me. Someone gets there ahead of me. And Jesus asks them, do you really, do you want to be well? So for us, we're going to make excuses. So why? Why are we the way we are? There are a few reasons why we make excuses. The first one is this. Why? It's easier to blame someone else. It is so much easier to blame someone else. The first lie, I'm sorry, the first lie in humanity in Genesis, you have Adam. He said to God, when he asked him about the sin and eating of the one tree they weren't supposed to eat from, what does Adam say? He says, God, it was that woman that you made for me, made me eat from that tree. He blamed Eve. The man at the pool of Bethesda blamed that there was no one in his life to help him. It's so much easier to blame someone else for our dysfunction. You know, that job is just my boss, man. He's just making me so stressed out. He's the reason why I drink. You know, I'm just so tired of everything. That's the reason why I don't want to spend time with anyone. Man, I've got so many things to do at the house. I just don't have time to spend with you, honey. I just don't have time to hang out with the kids. We will blame someone else for our dysfunction. We will blame someone else, and they will become our excuse. And as long as we blame others, we will never make progress. We will never become the men and women that God desires us to be. This is not just some pep talk to make you feel like a better person. God is going to use this message to impact our lives so we can be used for his purpose. And again, as God calls us to do things, we're going to make excuses. Well, I just don't have the time. So it's so much easier to blame someone else. To blame your boss, blame your spouse, blame your kids, blame your clock, blame the fa- everything. Is a bl- we can make, I can make an excuse for anything. Why? Because I'm so good at it. So we blame others. Here's another reason why uh, ex- making excuses is so easy. In the short term, in the short term, it is easier to be dysfunctional. In the short term, I say that seriously because in the long term, it's just going to be complete destruction. It's easier to be dysfunctional. We can become comfortable. We can enjoy our dysfunction. We can enjoy the sin we're partaking in. We begin to what's, what I'll call medicating ourselves, medicating the soul. We talked last week about Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman and how if we're going to live a life that God's called us to, we have to go to his well, his well of grace, of mercy, his well that sends us out on mission. If we're going to live the life that he has called us to, We can't continue to live in dysfunction. We can't think that it's easier, that this is just the way it is. I'm sure the man at the pool of Bethesda, he had his routine. 8 a.m., he'd get over there to the pool, him and all of his other lame friends. And I don't mean lame as in losers. I mean blind and paralyzed. 
And they would hang out, they would talk, they would complain, they would talk about the Roman Empire, and they would wait. They would continue to wait. And this is just his lifestyle. He was missing out on so much in life because he was okay with where he was. I'm going to be completely transparent today. I have been this man. For years, for years, I suffered with anxiety and depression, and depression to the point of suicidal ideation. And for years, I thought this is just the way it is. And I had a conversation one day with my wife, and we were talking about this. I said, yeah, there have been times where I've just thought about taking my life. It's just easier that way. And she told me, I've never thought that. I thought everyone thought that. I thought everyone had this tendency to just want to take their life. And for years, I began to think that this dysfunction that I was living in is just normal. It just is the way it is. That's what we say to ourselves. Well, you know what? I just am the way I am. This is just the way I grow. We start making these excuses. This dysfunction that we're living in is supposed to be the norm, and it's not. So what did I do? I prayed a lot more. No, I did that, but I went and got professional help. I went and talked to a counselor. I got on medication. You see, it is so much easier for us to live in the dysfunction, to try to find ways to cope. Well, you know, I just, at the end of the day, I just got to have that, I just got to have that second glass of wine. Oh, it just helps me unwind. No, we need a peace of God that goes beyond our understanding. Is drinking wine okay? Yeah, cool. Just don't abuse it. Don't get, don't get drunk. But we cannot continue to blame other people. We cannot continue to think that just living in the dysfunction is supposed to be our norm because it's not. And here's another reason why that we end up making excuses. Possibly deep down, we don't want to make progress. We want to stay living by the pool of Bethesda. We want to stay there. Maybe because we're scared of what happens afterwards. Maybe we're scared of what our life is going to look like when we get out of this. We're scared of what it's going to be like if we have to talk to someone. We're scared of what it's going to be like when we have to take ownership for our situation if it's our own fault. Do we really want to be well? Because we all have this pull of Bethesda. And Jesus is asking us the same question he asked that man. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? And this is what it comes down to. See, Christ, he came to make you whole. And you have to wholly want that. The word well that he uses in John chapter 5, verse 6, it's very unique. It's not, and when you look at the original language, it's not the word that means healed. He's not just talking about him being healed of his paralysis. The word well there means, in the original language, it means to be complete mentally and spiritually and physically. It means to be whole. You and I, we have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. We have to want and desire the life that God wants for us. We have to desire what he wants because his will is perfect. We are flawed individuals. We are not perfect. We are not all that in a bag of chips. And then when someone calls us out, on right, well, there's supposed to be air in the bag. We make excuses. We have to stop making excuses. We have to start making progress. Because if we miss this, what ends up happening is we'll go the rest of our life, years, days, weeks, months, whatever, making the same excuses for the same problems. And all of us, we know someone that's like this. Their life just continually goes through the same cycles every single year, 
every single time. And you know this because they'll say, yeah, I'm going to start blank. And you're like, yeah, okay. I heard that before. I know how this is going to turn out. I've already seen this episode. But the fact is, is sometimes that's us. We're going through these same cycles. And what we're doing is we're going to the wrong well, the wrong place to be made whole. I'm married to an incredible woman. And occasionally I will ask a very dangerous question. I will ask her, I say, hey, babe, is there something that I'm doing that you want me to continue doing or get better at? And then I also ask, is there something you want me to stop doing? And then I wait. And then I listen. And then I have to fight the urge to make an excuse. I have to listen and I have to say and mean it. Okay. I'm going to try to get better at filling the blank. Why? Because I don't want to have a marriage where there's this underlining bitterness that we don't talk about, this growing tension. So you have to call it out. If we can't make an excuse, we have to make progress. And today I want to give us one step. Very important step, a next step that if you were to, again, apply to your life, it'll transform this excuse versus progress dichotomy that we all live in. And this is it. And it's going to sound kind of harsh. So if you're wearing flip-flops, which you might be, be careful. Here it is. Stop playing the victim. For you and for me, stop playing the victim. When I was a kid in the mid-90s, I won't tell you exactly how old I was, because it might make you feel good or it might make you feel bad. There was a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It says it was called The Last Action Hero. I loved this movie. I still love this movie. But afterwards, I wanted to be Jack Slater so bad. I wore cowboy boots. I wore my blue jeans. I tucked in my red t-shirt. I wore my jacket because I didn't have a brown leather jacket, so it was a denim jacket. Oh, man, I want to be Jack Slayer. I would jump off things in my backyard, and I would imagine in my head this wailing guitar, slow solo, everything's in slow motion. I was pretending to be Jack Slater. Some of us, we're doing that as the victim. Some of us, we are playing the victim. Now, let me say this as a disclaimer. Everything that's happened to you, to you in your life is not your fault. Some of you, you've been abused. Some of you have been hurt. You've been lied about. You've been lied to. You've been stabbed in the back. Some of you have or are a victim. I am not talking about that. I'm talking about the times when we put ourselves in that position. We, like me trying to be Jack Slater, and I'm definitely not, and I never will be, we put on this persona, whether it's for a pity party, whether it's for an excuse, but I want to encourage you and tell you today that the man at the pool of Bethesda, he too played the victim card. Well, I don't have anybody to put me into the water. Well, they get there before I do. See, you can't experience a moment with Jesus and stay the victim. It's impossible. You see, for me, I'm able to make person, I'm able to be a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better pastor, a better leader. I'm able to defeat addiction. I'm able to overcome the trauma from my childhood. I'm able to be able to do all this, but not because of me, but because of Jesus, because he is with me and he is for me. And it's not me 
It's him. It's his strength. It's his ability. And that can be you. We have to stop playing the victim. We have to stop going to the well of other people and other things and other places as we talked about last week. And we have to find our source of life in him. So the question that we have to answer this morning, the same question Jesus asked this man at the pool of Bethesda, do you really want to be made well? Do you really want to be made whole? complete? Do you really want to be able to trust people again? Do you really want to live a life of purity and integrity again? Do you really want to be used by God in your daily life wherever you are? I cannot answer this question for you. And I know this moment, maybe this message to you has been heavy, but imagine you've been laying by this pool. You're 38 years old, You've been paralyzed for 38 years. You're laying by this pool and a stranger walks up to you, someone you've never seen before and asks you, hey, do you wanna be made well? Now me, I would probably be super sarcastic and I would say, no man, I love laying here. I wanna die here. Thanks for asking. He asked him a yes or no question and he replied, I can't. Jesus asked him a question about his desire and he answered with a question, with an answer of his ability. Listen, Jesus is not asking you about your ability. Jesus is asking about your desire. Do you have the faith? Do you want to be made well? Jesus, God knows you. He created you. He knows what you're able to do. He knows how he can use you to make impact for the gospel. He's not asking you this morning, do you want to be made well? And for you to give a list of excuses, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to live free of addiction? Do you want to have the ability to again, walk through life and trust people and not be questioning them and oh, are they really gonna do? Listen, God is speaking to you today. There's no more playing the victim, no more giving excuses. But you and I, we all have one step to take because I believe God is speaking to us. He is speaking to you. Now, listen, I don't know what your next step is, but I wanna encourage you to take that next step today. Maybe it's a little bitty baby step. Maybe it's a giant step. Maybe it's you taking the step to cut off that individual that's that toxic person in your life. Maybe you need to take, maybe you need to send the text message. Maybe you need to block their number. Maybe you need to completely ignore them when you see them in Walmart. Maybe it's time to set up that appointment with the counselor. If your next step is that, and you're like, I don't know who, I don't know what's a good counselor, find me afterwards. We have a list of references and recommendations that we can give for this area that are phenomenal with professional counseling. Maybe your next step is to be more intentional with your family. Maybe it's to set a downtime that at a certain time of the day, you cut your phone off completely so you'll stop getting the emails and the phone calls and text messages. Maybe your next step today is to make the decision to follow Jesus. Because until that moment, everything is you trying to do it for yourself, by yourself. But when we begin to follow him, his strength becomes our strength. His peace becomes our peace. His healing becomes our healing. In him, we can be made whole. So where do you need freedom today? Where do you need to allow him to interrupt? 
Because again, this man, he had his routine. He was laying there by the pool, just waiting, waiting, waiting. Some of you, you are, you, you are like this man. You are waiting. You're waiting for that stirred up water so you can get in there. But I want to tell you today, you don't have to wait anymore. Jesus is for you and he cares for you. And here's what I love. It's not just about you. God doesn't bring healing to you. God doesn't bring forgiveness of sins to your life just so you can be made whole, but so you can go and you can share his love with others. And so that when people see you, just as this man, they saw him walking with his mat, like, wait a minute, hold up. This man was paralyzed. Now he's walking. What happened? People are gonna see that take place in your life and they're gonna wanna know, okay, why are you smiling so much? Normally you're downcast. You're like an emo kid. Why are you actually excited to be here today? Wait a minute, normally you hate this job. Why are you excited to even be in here today? You can talk about the goodness of God. You can talk about the joy in the Lord that you have that is not determined by your circumstance and situation. Listen, some of you, as I shared earlier, you have been a victim. I wanna encourage you today, you don't have to stay there. We can move forward. We don't have to move past it, but we can move forward. And I encourage you today, again, God is calling us to live in a place of healing, to be made whole in Him and in Him alone. And I don't know what your next step is, but you do. God has been speaking to you. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. But before we pray, we're gonna take a moment. We're gonna allow God to speak to us. Normally we pray, it's me talking and all of us praying to God. We're gonna take a moment and it's gonna be a little quiet. We're gonna allow God to speak to us of where do we need him to intervene? What do we need to do today? So at this moment, if we can't everywhere, whether you're in this room or you're joining us online, just close, let's close our eyes. God speak to us this morning. What is our next step? What do you want us to do? God, we pause in this moment as you are speaking to us, you are leading us, you are guiding us. That we want to stop making excuses and we want to make progress. We want to be the men and women that you desire us to be. God, as you have spoken to us, that of what we need to do next, God, I pray you give us the strength, the boldness, and the wisdom to take that step in faith, to be obedient to your word. God, whether that's changing who we're spending time with, whether that's changing how we spend our time, Father, guide our steps. Let us be the men and women you want us to be to make the impact you want, to live out your purpose, to live out your desires, and not just our selfishness. God, help us to make progress in your name. Help us to not blame others. Help us to not live in dysfunction. Give us the desire to be well. And as we continue to pray this morning, you may be joining us today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I wanna tell you today, you can have an encounter with him. And by believing and having faith in him and confessing that we can, you can be forgiven of your sins. You can be saved. You can have a relationship with your creator and you don't have to do anything specific. You have to believe and confess, that's it. So if you wanna make a decision to follow Jesus today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, I am forgiven of my sins.
I am made whole. I am made well. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.